Welcome to OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, president of Motor Minds and host of Sirius XM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. These days, with the mix of challenges currently facing the industry, identifying corporate strategy and redefining the role of supply chains is likely more critical than ever. Many companies are stepping back to analyze the essential question of what is core or non-core to their business and the path forward. There are several other supplier ecosystem health checks also taking place, including the role of process, technology, and manufacturing efficiencies. Given the labor shortage and logistical hurdles that are in front of the industry, these questions are critical at this time. Jeff George, principal at Baker Tilly Digital, has a ringside seat for the supplier activity and scenarios that need to be carefully considered among the challenges. And his perspective and advice is thought-provoking. What role does inflation play as a strategic tailwind, not necessarily a headwind, going forward? What's the role of leadership in the face of the strongest currents? And can you reinvent a business as you run it? Today, a multi-pronged conversation that should get suppliers thinking of where they are on the road ahead and how to prepare for what's to come. And now, my interview with Jeff George, principal at Baker Tilly Digital on OESA's Automotive Insiders. Jeff, what a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Jason. Well, you're welcome. Uh, no shortage of issues that exist in the industry today, <laughs> as you know. Uh, what I want to focus on today, kind of threefold, supply chain, manufacturing, and leadership. So let's go through each one of those. And let's start off by talking about core versus non-core on corporate strategy and the role of the supply chain. What is your take on, on, on those events, on those, on those elements? Thanks, Jason. That's a really good point to start because we're looking at a market landscape that is trying to undo over a generation of dependence and supply chains designed to lower costs and improve operating margins and not to increase flexibility and resilience. So the fissures, if you will, that the pandemic exposed across so many sectors, but especially in automotive, around supply chains, I think they really called into view something that I think a lot of companies would not consider very frequently. That is, if we are manufacturers, assemblers, or even distributors of products, how much of our supply chain should we actually control and how should we do it? And this wasn't a question that I think leaders posed on a pre-2020 timeframe. Uh, because until then, a healthy supply chain was a little bit akin to electricity in our homes. We don't really appreciate it until it's no longer there. And so I think this, this shock to the operation of, of companies that have a reliance on long lead times, multi-tier supply structures, I think it's led many CEOs and corporate leaders to reconsider what is it that is core to them versus non-core. I think it forced a lens through which to evaluate what they source and from whom versus what is brought in-house. Who do they partner with? And perhaps what pieces of their supply chain they actually own. And and I think this has created a little bit of a landscape, even on what acquisition targets look like, such that these companies can control their destiny better. But I think it's also forced companies to rethink how their uh, supply ecosystem is structured, meaning how does it work? What is their role in it? And we even saw an acceleration of new business models and concepts like what is called now as supply chain as a service. 
right? which is something that pre-pandemic we didn't really see a whole lot of. So I think it's been difficult, but also healthy for companies to figure out how to really control their destiny better and who to partner to get that done. Is this a muscle that's unworked? I mean, did it truly take a 2020 event in order to shock the system and to consider things from this type of lens? Um, I think the muscle was there, but it wasn't exercised in the same way or to this degree. So you had, I think, a, a significant number of, of individuals with uh, tremendous uh, expertise uh, in supply chains, but they had not been asked to look and essentially append what they had done, seen, or had structured for over a generation. So it was really, I think, a, a bit of a call to, to greatness, if you will, to look at this is what we have today. This is what we've built, and, and gosh, is it awesome. But it's inadequate given how the world functions and the dependency that we have on long lead time, multi-tier supply chains as we have today. So I think the muscle was there, but it wasn't used in the way that it's been asked to be used because of the pandemic. Hmm, fair point. Let's talk about the role of process and technology. And I want I want you to kind of give me a supplier ecosystem health check. Put your doctor's hat on for a moment. We'll do a live EKG, if you will. What is the role of process and technology and 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 how it relates to the supplier ecosystem? That's yeah, a, a good question. And you know, I think most companies, especially those that are seasoned uh, operators in automotive most of these companies do a really good job monitoring the health of their tier one supply base, even to some degree, their tier two. Um, but as they get their own supplier development team to look deeper into their tier supply base, the farther you go into tier two plus, the more opaque things get, the less reliable, the farther down the tier structure they go as it relates to what is really happening with that tier supplier. Uh, can we better anticipate disruptions that don't catch us flat-footed? And so this, this phenomenon, I think, has been exacerbated by what we call technology debt. So these are systems that have been implemented inside uh, the supply base uh, that are really outstanding systems. They do a great job, say, as a core ERP or an MES, uh, but they may not have all the right appendages, if you will, or the connectivity to third-party systems that can provide a much clearer and a more real-time view into the tier two plus of the value chain. That real-time, what is the health of my supplier base look like? Things that go beyond, Jason, the, the finished inventory and work in progress, but things, for example, risk factors that surround the tier two suppliers like geopolitical or social economic unrest, things that could bring work stoppages as we've seen happen or container availability on ocean freighters or maybe truck bed inventory and driver coverage after it's hit the port. So all these factors have a data point tied to them. They can be located, those data points exist, but most standalone systems inside the tier uh, infrastructure only provide a limited view into what that tier supply base looks like. And they don't really roll up well to the tier one, the tier two and, and, and so forth. So what we find is that technology can play a really big role in taking these existing data points and stitching them together for a really clear, almost anticipatory management view on how to best operate the supply chain. Jeff, a lot of talk of inflation. 
and mm-hmm. um, certainly no shortage of commentary on inflation being a real drag on supplier uh, capability this year and years to come. You see it as a strategic tailwind. Is that right? I think it can be. How so? It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't take away the pressure, right? The pressure there it creates a challenge, but I think it's a wind that can be a headwind for some. But depending on how you position your business and how you view, you can you, you can turn you can start looking for for windmills to leverage that wind, right? I think you look at what companies have had to do because of inflation. They're paying higher wages. They're spending more for materials. They're absorbing record freight costs. They're pushing up. You know the economic inflation gauges, if you will, and this is happening across a number of sectors, not just automotive. But there are also many of them are reporting some of their best profitability in years, despite the tight labor market, despite the higher cost of talent. So I think it, it, the inflation, especially where we are now, I think it makes it easier to approach the topic of adjusting prices with customers. It's, it's not always easy to do, but it's a bit of a historic moment that way and somewhat of a call to greatness, I think, to both OEMs and the supply base to have a really frank conversation about the health of the sector and the ecosystem, meaning if annual productivity improvements are the norm in agreements of within the supply base, what happens when the downward price pressures from supply agreements crosses the curve of inflation? Let's focus on leadership as the final piece of this. Uh, reinventing the business as you run it. That is your advice to really any supplier listening here. Describe that for me. I mean, all these factors I just mentioned, right? not just because supply chain is so core to much of the sector, but I think it calls into focus how the business is being run. I think it beckons a much broader lens and a holistic view of the organization that it's not just about responding to the challenges of supply chain and operations, but it's also about designing what your business needs to look like from the future back because of these challenges. Right? There's, a, there's a really interesting book um, came out not long ago called Beyond Digital. If you haven't read it, Jason, I recommend it, and, mm-hmm. and recommend it to your listeners. Uh, it talks about how great leaders transform their organizations and shape the future. And one of the things I really like about the message in that book is that it talks about the paradoxes that leaders are expected to, to function in today. Things like being the strategic executor. You think strategy and execution, they seem like they're they're somewhat of antithesis of each other, but but they're required today. You have to have really bold ambitions, ideas with the practical ability to get it done and implement a vision. You have to be a tech-savvy humanist where you drive enhancements in technology to get future success in the business. But you also have to remember that people are, are the business. You have to have one team cohesion. You have to be globally minded localists. You know, you, you navigate a world that is increasingly global in nature, but localized in execution. You have to find the places where scale really matters. So that, I believe, is an opportunity for leaders to reflect on who do they have on their team? Are they seeking divergent perspectives to strengthen the business from the outside in and from the inside out? And irrespective of product, service sector, companies function if people work together and are focused on the right priorities. And I think this is a time that we have a lot of pressure, we have a lot of change, but it's also a time where leadership, especially in coalescing a team around a compelling vision and relentlessly charging in face of obstacles is absolutely key. These are blueprints, if you will, for uh, a myriad of challenges that we are facing, supply chain, manufacturing, and leadership all being intertwined 
Jeff George, principal at Baker Tilly Digital. Thanks so much for being on the program. Thanks for having me, Jason. Always a pleasure. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And a special thanks to Jeff George, principal at Baker Tilly Digital. Thanks for listening to OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, and we'll talk to you again next time. <laughs>